Well, we, we don't think too much about uh, what, what competitors are doing. Only four entities have launched a space capsule into orbit and successfully brought it back. The United States, Russia, China. There's sometimes a debate about going to Mars one way. You will not be sorry, or maybe you will. And Elon Musk. I think Mars should really have great bars. Um, the Mars bar. <laughs> Maso. Looking at some of the most often ignored aspects of the colonization of Mars. My name is Fleming Hokasansen and this is the Maso podcast. Well, this time, this time we are talking about habitats. I know there's a lot of people talking about habitats on Mars, but I want to to look into it. Um, of course, I can't cover everything in detail here. You probably know that by now. I mean, this is the third episode of uh, of Marshall. But let's have a look at some of the different habitats. There's the tuna cans. Well, they are not actual tuna cans, but they are metal habitats, uh, somewhat small. And um, I really don't like the name tuna cans. It's so... It's, it really doesn't sound much like a home, does it? No, it doesn't. But um, we're going to look a bit more into tuna cans. Actually, I have an interview with uh, Sebastian Aristoteles from Saga Space Architects, and they design tuna cans. Well, not actual tuna cans, but space habitats. <laughs> but then there's a all-present dome. Yeah, everybody is talking about domes, right? I mean, everybody in science fiction is talking about domes. And um, Mars colonization advocate Dr. Robert Suprin is... Uh, great advocate for domes uh, he really liked domes and I can see I can see why definitely they seem like great places I mean we all remember sci-fi movies with these huge domes I mean it's cities within that in domes it's it's really it's fabulous it's so futuristic and it's like yeah we can do it we'll go to mars we'll build a dome and everything will be great well probably not entirely like that well see domes are great no doubt about it i'm sure they are terrific but there's just this small problem, because domes, they need to be rather large, if it should be city domes. In uh, Dr. Sobrin's uh, The Case for Mars, his book, there is this, I would, uh, I would like to, to read to you, A Home in a Dome. Habitation in a surface shopping mall is a big improvement over living in Mars Direct style tuna cans, but ultimately on Mars we can do better. We don't have to burrow underground to protect ourselves from radiation, 
because the Martian atmosphere is dense enough to shield people living on the surface against solar flares. The planet's surface will be open to us, and even during the base-building phase, large inflatable structures made of transparent plastic should be readily deployed, rapidly creating large domains for both human habitation and eventual crop growth. And uh, he goes on and is really very interesting. During the phase-building phase, domes of this type up to 50 meters in diameter and containing the 5 psi atmosphere necessary to support humans could be deployed. If made of high-strength plastic such as Kevlar, such a dome 1 millimeter thick would be three times as strong as it needs to be to resist bursting and weigh only about 8 tons. Anyway, this was quite interesting, wasn't it? I mean, a plastic dome one millimeter thick would be sufficient to hold the pressure needed for humans. Anyway, haven't we heard that Mars is a really dangerous environment? Um, There's a lot of radiation and we have to dig deep and bury underground. Well, not according to Dr. Robert Sobrin, but I don't know, I don't know. But that is what he's saying. He's a former NASA engineer, so I guess he probably knows a bit or two about it. Anyway, domes are not the only possible way of living on Mars. I mean, quite clearly, later we are going to, to talk with Sebastian about tuna cans, but let's have a look at some of the other possibilities. There's a tumuli. Well, um, you may know it as a burial mound, but that's that sounds really dark, doesn't it? Well, anyway, um, it's one of the very common suggestions for habitation on Mars. You'll have to build a large structure with a thick layer of regolith, Mars dirt, in order to protect from radiation. But won't it be very dark? We'll need a lot of power just to just to create uh, an, an environment that we would like to live in. So let's skip that one and uh, go on to caves. Yes, Oh yes, our ancestors lived in caves and we are going to Mars to live in caves. I mean, we are not probably not going to to settle in small one family caves on Mars. Uh, I, I guess we are talking about larger cave structures deep underground and we will probably be able to seal them to the outside and if they're large enough they could build a whole city that in a cave that would be really really dark we would need a lot of power to to create a day night cycle in a cave on mars i don't really have a favorite I think we should definitely have something 
something of a short-sleeve environment, definitely. And a lot of tuna cans, I really hate that name, but a lot of tuna cans would be great for living in them, but you, you would need to put on a spacesuit every time you had to go shopping, or every time you had to go to work. You'd have to put on a spacesuit. I don't think that will be very practical. So we'll probably need some sort of cities or small villages, anything really. So either large domes or, or a cave. But for settling on Mars in the beginning, I am quite sure that tuna cans will be the, the actual choice. So let's have a talk with Sebastian from Saga Space Architects. Um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I come from uh, Saga Space Architects, and we are focused on 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 architecture in outer space. And we, we started working very conceptually and with with architecture and, and habitat for for Mars. We actually started very early on with uh, with uh, whole colonies for Mars. Um, we soon then realized that the entire space industry was working towards uh, putting humans back to the moon uh, as a stepping stone to going back to Mars or, or to reaching Mars. So, so it's um, and and upon realizing that, we, we changed our focus as well to kind of follow where the industry was, and then then we started designing habitats for for, for the moon. Um, and in designing habitats for the moon, we we realized that. We needed to take our our work a step further than than, than conceptual uh, architecture, and uh, we wanted to 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 under to get practical knowledge of of what architecture, what type of architecture would work best on the moon. Um, and uh, to to continue on that road, we we decided to look on a place on Earth that resemble the conditions, the environmental conditions and the psychological stresses that an astronaut would experience on the moon. We tried to find a place on Earth that resembled that the best. And uh, that brought us to Northern Greenland, where we designed a, a, a moon habitat. And me and my co-founder, we lived inside of it for, uh, for almost three months. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, uh, why did you settle on that on that particular design? And uh, I guess that was a scaled a scaled down uh, design because it would need the uh, airlocks and stuff on the moon and Mars. But why did you settle on that design? Yeah, so so actually the habitat that, that we designed for 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 northern Greenland uh, was is is designed exactly like we would expect it to work on the moon. So similarly to, to, to having a, an airlock on the moon, we had an airlock in the habitat in Greenland. Um, and coincidentally, there's, there's some, some good benefits of having an airlock in Greenland as well. Uh, even though there's no vacuum outside, it's very cold outside. And by having an airlock, we wouldn't lose all our heat. Uh, to the exterior whenever we open the habitat. So, so it, it, it also served a purpose there. Um, but, this, but, but the shape and size of the habitat, <clears throat> you know, if, if, if you design something for the moon, you're limited by the size of the rocket. Uh, and there's really two ways to go about it. Either you bring the tools uh, to, to use the resources on the moon to build with, 
or you bring the architecture and the habitat inside the rocket and transport it all the way up there. And that's the, that's the two kind of ways to build. And we decided that we were looking at, at a near future moon habitat, which means that since uh, in situ resource utilization, which is NASA's fancy word of, of saying that you use the, the local resources, as that technology isn't really mature enough yet, uh, we decided to go with an with with a with a habitat that would fit inside a rocket, and uh, yeah, and a rocket is not that big, and if you think about the well-being of astronauts, one of the biggest challenges is private private uh, space uh, and privacy. Um, so we knew that we needed to make a structure that would unfold after landing, and that's why we 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 made the habitat as an unfolding origami shell. Okay, and uh, I guess that's uh, the same reason why it's not a dome. I think most commonly uh, when we talk about uh, space habitats, uh, it's always domes, uh, large cities that in domes or small domes. It's always the dome shape. Uh, but I guess that's also the answer to why you didn't uh, didn't go for the dome shape. Uh, this was yeah. was easier in the short term. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so the, actually, the habitat is uh, the, the habitat is. So, the reason why people use domes is because it's it's a good pressure shape, right? You cannot have uh, a square balloon, right? You cannot have something that, that that maintains pressure that's square that has sharp sharp edges. That's 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 a uh, that's a, a point of stress. So, so, so you have to 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 use some kind of a pressure shape, uh, and a dome is a good uh, a capsule or a dome is, is a good version of that. Um, and our habitat actually, when it's unfolded, is the shape of a uh, of a uh, of, of of a sphere, uh, an, an elongated sphere. Um, so it is a pressure shape, but it, it's panelized, right? So so it's made of of, of individual panels that all together then uh, can fold uh, and, and become like a uh, and become smaller. So our habitat expands 750% in volume uh, after it, it, it lands. Um, so and and the shape of it is is completely determined by the geometry that would be able to fold and that would be able to keep a pressure. Hmm, very interesting. Um, and and how do you, uh, how do you manage to to keep the pressure inside? I mean, uh, an unfolding habitat that sounds like a lot of places it could go wrong. Absolutely, and that was that's one of the biggest challenges. So so for us, the first thing we wanted to prove was that you could make an unfolding habitat and and uh, that you could uh, gain the extra space that was needed and that you could live inside of it comfortably uh, and, and and we proved that the next step is to figure out how to pressurize it mm. um, the version of the habitat that would go uh, to the moon would be a habitat uh, we actually imagine that the pressurization of the habitat uh, would would also contribute to the unfolding of the habitat so you can imagine if, if there's a vacuum around you and you the habitat would inflate kind of like a balloon. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Sebastian. Let's wrap it up for this time, and uh, I'll be back in about a month.